0: Praise be to God. Once again, as we come before the Lord our God, today we're celebrating the feast of uh, the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our theme basically is uh, being built up in the Spirit. Okay? And basically, the Lord has given us His Holy Spirit that we might be equipped with uh, whatever the Lord wants us to have, whatever character the Lord wants us to develop. So that we will begin to show forth Jesus Christ on the earth, his character and his power. Amen. And as we've heard the different readings for today, there are so many things that we can talk about. But basically, when we talk about baptism, we're talking about entering into a covenant. Okay. A covenant is strong, it's like a contract, except that it is stronger than a contract uh, uh when, whenever two people get married they enter into a covenant and what happens to them they become one they are two persons but the moment they enter into a marriage covenant okay i know that there are contracts that we sign the government looks at the marriage contract but in heaven they're looked upon as a covenant and a covenant talks about becoming one And so when we enter into a covenant with God, God becomes one with us, and we become one with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, a covenant is not an informal relationship. A covenant is not a casual relationship. A covenant is not a live-in relationship. You know what a live-in relationship is? You know, when man and woman decides to live in together, They don't really want to get married and let's just uh, stay with each other for as long as it's fun, exciting. Okay? But when we get bored with each other, we just kind of leave. No hard feelings. It's not a casual live-in relationship. A covenant relationship, God enters into our lives and we enter into God. God says, from now on, you can call me your God. Take note, God allows us to use... Uh, a description that brings possession. See? It's it's like saying, that's my Bible. That's my house. That's my cell phone. I own that. Okay? But with, with God, because of the covenant, God says, you can now say, He's my God. You understand what I'm saying? My God. But then at the same time, God says, you're now my people. You are my most precious possession. Okay? As our God, all right, God is saying to us, because I am your God, you can expect me to protect you, to guide you, to bless you. To be everything that a God is to His people, Amen. I mean, that's that's a nice deal right there, right? But then He tells us. But now you have to understand: you're also my people. As my people, I expect you that you will have no other gods but me. Okay. So if you need something, and you will happen to be visiting uh, China. I don't expect you to go to the Buddhist temple and ask the Buddhist gods for for favor. If you happen to be in India, I don't expect you to be visiting the Hindu gods and asking for their favor. You understand what I'm saying? If you're my people, whether you're in America, whether you're in Asia, whether you're in Africa, whatever the religion is, I expect you to worship me as the one true God. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay? I expect you to look only to me. I expect you to hold the values which I hold dear. I expect you to hold up the commandments that I've given to you. My values are different from the world. Okay? So we need to understand that. That's the reason why we uh, honor the Lord on this day. Because we're trying to follow one of the commandments of God, honor the day of the Sabbath. Well, we know with the Jews, that's on a Saturday. But for us, that is the day where Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And they call that the first day of the week. It's Sunday. okay? And so we worship the Lord our God on this day. This is the Lord's day. Did you know that once upon a time, Sunday was a day of work? Yeah, there were offices on Sunday before Okay? This was in the early days. Uh, People were expected to go to work on a Sunday. Okay? But then Constantinople. Okay? Uh, Or Constantine. When he got baptized into the Christian faith, he decided to make Christianity the, the, the religion of the empire. And he says, from now on, so that people will not be bothered with work, so that they can concentrate in worshiping God... On the Lord's day, I hereby decree that there will be no work on Sunday. Why? So that the people can come to the church and give God the worship that God deserved, even you know, without being bothered doing the other things. So Sunday is not a do nothing day. Sunday is not a day that oh, I can do whatever I want. No, God moved on the Emperor Constantine to make Sunday a non-working day so that the people of God can go to God and worship God in his church. It is not called do nothing day. It is not called sleep over day, okay? It's not called catch up with whatever I need to do because I didn't get to do this in the weekday. It's not called, it's time to uh, uh Catch up on the, the, the number of series and episodes I missed, so I'll watch the, the episode 24, 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'll finish it at night. I'll have a 24 marathon. No, it is a it is called the Lord's Day. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord's Day, and the Lord is looking for your presence on the Lord's Day. Now, if we finish worshiping the Lord our God, then you want to go to the beach? You can go to the beach. You want to go sleep? You can sleep. You want to watch 24? Go ahead. You want to go to uh, copies and watch passengers? Go ahead. <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? But the Lord comes first because he adopted this as the Lord's day. Amen? So we need to understand that, church. And so basically, as we've talked about all of these things, um, if there is a particular lesson that God is wanting to communicate to us, it's this. Let us faithfully keep our covenant vows to the Lord. Let us faithfully keep our covenant vows to the Lord. Later on, we're going to have a, uh, a renewal of baptismal vows. Okay? uh, uh. And I I know that we've been criticized by some people concerning this and made fun of. Why do you have to renew your vows? They don't expire. (laughs) They don't have an expiration date. I know. But how many of us can really say we've remained true to our baptismal vows? Have we not broken them at one point in time? Right? Right? And so it is a grace and a mercy of God that God says, okay, I will allow you to renew it with me once again. Does he know that he will keep it perfectly after that? No, he knows that. But it is his grace and mercy that he allows us to come up and say to God, I'm sorry I did this. I, I just want to renew my baptism. But for how long do we have to do this? Let's just keep doing this as long as the grace of God is open. Because one day grace will close. Not today. <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? One day when Jesus Christ comes back and people see him, it's going to be too late. You need to be able to come to God now. And, and if, you, if you've fallen, we've stumbled, we've, we've kind of uh, uh, broken our vows before God. God doesn't say to us, you know what? I give you a chance. And then you break it and break it. Forget about it. Get out of my face. No, you won't hear that from him. Amen? I mean, you might hear it from other people. I mean, you might hear from other people. You keep promising, you keep promising, but you keep breaking your promise. Forget it. For some people, it's a deal breaker. But for God, because of his mercy and grace, it is not a deal breaker yet. Amen? One day it will be. When the Lord comes and you've not, you know, renewed your relationship with God, or you've not entered the covenant with God through Christ, then yeah, it will become a deal breaker. You never entered into a deal, or you entered into a deal, and you broke it, and you never bothered to renew it. And so while we have the time, the opportunity, the privilege of renewing our vows before God, let's do it, right? Hello? But, you know, Bishop, I feel like a hypocrite. I know. I feel that too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I know sometimes I break it. But we say it in faith. We just focus on the grace of God, not on our weaknesses. We're just saying, Lord, we're going to make this vow once again. I thank you for your grace. We're not going to intentionally, willfully break this. I'm glad, Father, that, you know, you you have this opportunity for us. But when we sin and we, you don't throw us away. You don't turn your backs on us, even if others do. But you give us a chance. You give us another opportunity. Thank you, Lord, you're very, very, very patient with us. Even if our husbands are not, even if our wives are not, even if our mothers and fathers are not, even if our kids are not. Thank you, Lord, you're very patient with us. Amen? So we are grateful to God that we enter into a covenant with God through baptism. Okay? So basically, that's a thought that comes to us whenever we hear baptism. Baptism is not just a ceremony. Well, you need to get your baptismal certificate because one day you're going to enroll in school and you will need that one day you're going to go abroad you need a visa you might need a baptismal certificate to show them okay and so you might as well go through baptism just so that you have the legal papers yes there are legal papers that we are being given in baptism right but baptism is more than just a document baptism is more than just a ceremony Later, if we have time, I'll try to describe to you what happens at the moment of baptism. Oh, I know, some of you are familiar. You're taken to water. Some are uh, baptized water on the forehead. Some are immersed. We've seen the physical actions done in baptism. But do you know that there is an equivalent thing happening in heaven when someone is being baptized on the earth? See, it's a covenant. And, you know, there, there might have been some Baptist and you, You've seen that the priest might be a little bored of Passion than the, and the Father. But you know what? Jesus Christ does this with passion. Because God is serious in making a covenant with his people. To be able to enter into a covenant with God is a serious thing as far as God is concerned. Okay? God takes seriously the vows that we make to him. And God takes very seriously the promises He gives to us. You understand what I'm saying? It's like when you enter into a marriage, there is the exchange of vows. I will love you. I will be your husband. I will protect you. The wife says, I will be your like this, and I'll be your like that. Now I know that there there are certain uh celebrations of being God where they try to make light of this and make fun of this. and But God takes seriously those vows. They are written down in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to understand that it is a covenant. When God becomes our God and we become his people, we become one. What happens to us? We inherit the treasures of heaven. We inherit the kingdom of heaven. What happens with God? I mean, what could be offered God? He inherits our debts. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? And when, when we talk about that, we're only familiar with physical death. We see the body die. But the spirit that inhabits the body, it does not die. For as long as your spirit and soul are inside your body, your body will function. But the moment your spirit and soul leaves the body, your body will disintegrate. It has no life force in there. And when I talk about the life force, I'm not talking about the force of the Jedi. May the force be with you. No, I'm talking about the breath of God being given to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? hello so we need to understand that church that's why Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for our sins we couldn't pay it ourselves even if we wanted to okay the Bible says on the cross especially we hear this every holy week there's one point in time it's probably one of the most painful things I know that Jesus was tortured overnight. Hair ripped out, spat upon, hit, bludgeoned, whipped. Yeah, those things are very painful. But one point in time on the cross, it says, the things began to become dark. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to taste spiritual death for you and me. Spiritual death is eternal separation from God.
1: You understand what I'm
0: saying? Because your spirit never dies. Your spirit came from God. It is indestructible. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be deleted because it came from God. And so after death, your spirit will remain. But where will it remain? Will it remain in the presence of God or will it remain away from the presence of God? See, your spirit will live on eternally. Okay? You can live on eternally in heaven, in the presence of God, where there is joy forevermore, or your spirit can live eternally first in hell, and then after the great white throne judgment in the lake of fire that's a terrible thing to think about you understand what i'm saying and your spirit will never die even in hell it will never stop existing you will want god to make you stop existing but because you came from god you cannot stop existing hello so we need to understand that church it's spiritual death is separation from god And probably that's one of the most you see jesus christ and the father they walked they were never ever 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 separated then on the cross he took our sins he was paying for a sin that he did not commit right why was he doing that for you for me okay remember the words of the eucharist this is my body Broken. For whom? Broken for you. In other words, the Lord is saying, if not for you, I will not allow this to be done to me. Don't you realize I was there when you were created? I was there when the breath of life was given to you. I was there when creation was. Don't you know that in heaven, the angels honor me and glorify me. Why would I allow someone of the flesh to treat me this way? I'm a king and I walk as a king. I never stop becoming. Why would I allow these people who are working for the forces of darkness to treat me this way? Why would I allow them to whip me? Why would I allow them to put me to death? Why would I allow them to humiliate me in front of the angels and they're wondering why I'm not giving the command to defeat them? For you. If not for you, I would not have let my body be broken. For you. If not for you, I would not have allowed my blood to be spilled. You understand what I'm saying? It's a covenant. He inherited, our, he inherited our debt. We couldn't pay the price. So Jesus paid the price for us, and when we are baptized, that which Jesus paid for is given to our account. Every man born on the earth has a debt. The moment you say, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. Or we go to baptism, God stamps that, paid in full by the blood of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is the absolute kindness and mercy of our God. But then let's go to some of this. I'm getting so excited. <laughs> I'm not looking my- Anyway. Uh, we only have a very short uh, uh, passage of Scripture, but there's some things that I would like for us to see here. Uh, in in, in uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, the first one, verse 13 to 15, basically the thought I'd like to give to you is this. Honor the Lord by seeking to fulfill His will. Honor the Lord by seeking to fulfill His will. The second thought, I'll come back to the first thought, based on verse 16 to 17, is this. Just like Christ, who have been called sons by our Father. Just like Christ, we have been called sons by our Father. Let us seek to please our Father. Okay, let's go back to the first one. Honor the Lord by seeking to fulfill His will. Let Let me just read this. Verse 13 of Matthew 3, it says here. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by Him. Take note what it says here. Jesus deliberately came where John was, why? In order to be baptized by John the Baptist, okay? Take note, it doesn't say that Jesus Christ came upon them accidentally, okay? Jesus Christ did not just come upon them by coincidence. I mean, Jesus Christ was not taking a stroll somewhere in the desert, and he he saw a commotion going there. He says, I wonder what's going on there, and he goes there, and he sees John baptizing, and he says, I wonder if I will get into this. I might as well. This must be the new trend today. Okay? I mean, if this is something that's on Facebook, I'll click like, and then I'll jump. You, you have to understand something. Jesus does not do things randomly or haphazardly, he was not there by accident, he was there on purpose. Jesus was someone who always listened to the Father. Okay? He did what the Father said to do. He went where the Father said to go. He spoke what the Father said to say. I mean you'll find it in the, in the records of the God. He says the words I speak to you, they're the words I heard from my Father. The things that I do, I don't do them to please my ego. He doesn't have any. I don't do them to attract attention. That's not the point. I'm not doing them Uh, so I can get many likes on Facebook. Well, there's no Facebook. Okay? I'm doing them because that's what my father told me to do. I mean, and I'm trying to be like, you know, and and we'd like to get to the point where we'd like to be like Jesus, where we are so scared to have a thought that is different from the father's thought. Some people say we need to become original thinkers. Well, I don't want to become an original thinker. I want to have the thoughts that my father, our father, has given to us through the Holy Scriptures. I want to think like he thinks. I want to speak like he speaks. You understand what I'm saying? I want to be like Jesus. And, and basically, that's, Jesus like that. He doesn't want to have a thought that was not of the kingdom of God. And he said here, it says here, that he came there to be baptized. He was there for one particular reason. He was intentional. He was intentional in doing this. This was the will of the Father. and He was there, not by accident, not by chance, not by coincidence. He was there because he was obeying the will of the Father. And at that point in time, what the Father wanted him to do was to be baptized and then it says here verse 14 and John tried to prevent him by saying John the Baptist was intimidated (laughs) you're here you want me to baptize you this is this is the these are the words of John I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me Think about it. John understood Jesus was the superior one. I mean, when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, and when Mary visited Elizabeth, the mother of John, John was still in the womb, it says when the baby John heard the voice of the mother of our Lord, he jumped inside. Can a baby be moved upon by the Holy Spirit, even in the womb, yes. A baby's not just a dead fetus. He is a person given to us by God. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, even there, John recognized this is the superior one. At one point in time, the, uh, the disciples of John said, John, why don't you tell your cousin to stop baptizing? I mean, this is our style, right? They didn't understand. And and, and and John the Baptist told his disciples, guys, you have to understand something. We can't do anything unless it's given to us by heaven." And as for him, I need to decrease. He must increase. He understood. And, and and John was trying to didn't understand really everything. Okay, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, I know I was born first. <laughs> I was born first before you. So when it comes to birth, uh, I'm like the kuya here. Okay? I'm seniority, but uh, really doesn't matter because uh you're the son of God and and, and me baptize you uh, don't you think it should be the other way you should be the one baptizing me okay look at what Jesus Christ says but Jesus answered and said to him Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness that He allowed Him. In other words, Jesus Christ had to humble Himself in order to fulfill the will of the Father. Because you have have to understand something here. It's always the superior that baptizes the one who needs it. But Jesus wanted to be baptized. And the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance for sinners. The question is, why would the Lord want to be baptized in a baptism concerning repentance for sinners when he never sinned? Okay? See, again, baptism is covenant, right? Covenant means you become one with the one that you enter into a covenant with. Okay? jesus by being baptized in a covenant of repentance for sins was taking his place with us as sinners you understand what i'm saying he was saying father i am so fully identifying with our creation okay i'm identifying with them how many of you are familiar that jesus walked on the water Believe that? Do you believe that? How many of you are familiar? Jesus Christ spoke to the storm, the storm stopped. Believe that? How many familiar? Jesus Christ turned water into wine. Believe that? Yeah, I believe that. How many of you believe he did it because he was God? If Jesus Christ at one point in time said, Father, I know I came here to become a man, but you know, I can't do these things as a man, so let me just take time out, draw from my powers, so now I can walk on the water. <laughs> then at one point in time, Jesus Christ cheated. He used something that was not available to man. In identifying with us, he was saying, Father, I'm going to need what they need because I'm identifying with their weakness. That's why after he was baptized, the heavens opened up to him. You know what the, that means, the heavens opened up to you? That means favor and grace are, is given. Why would he need favor and grace? He already has that, right? Because he identified with us. We need mercy. We need favor. We need grace. In order for us to walk in the miraculous to do the things that Jesus Christ did we need the Holy Spirit that's why the Holy Spirit came on him see when he walked on the water he didn't do it as God when he turned the water into what he didn't do it as God he was God but he didn't use those abilities okay hello (laughs) am I shocking you too much here when he spoke to the weather And the weather changed. He didn't do it as God. He did it as a man who was dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit who had faith in our Father. Something that you and I can do. Didn't he say, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you shall do also, and even greater works than these you will do? That's what he said. He never used anything that was not available to us. He did not use his godly abilities. As God, he can know everything. Because omniscience is a character of God. As God, he can do anything. Because as God, one of the characters of God is omnipotence. All power. All ability. Okay? If he just used some of these things, just a little bit, then he would have used something that was not available to him. Because we're not God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? I, I, There's somebody in there. Hello? Maybe we need to lay hands on you. To revive you. You might have fainted with your eyes open. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's our God. But he walked like us. And for us, he decided not to use it. He he identified completely with us. That is humbling himself because he's someone who walked in a perfect environment without sin. Now, he's identifying with us. Identifying with our weaknesses. Okay? And not only that, in the Gospel of John, it says there, in the very beginning, Nothing was made that was made without Christ. He was part of the one who made creation, the creator. And now you're going to have a man, a created being, baptizing. Think about that. If you were a toy maker, it's like bowing your knee to one of your toys, allowing that toy that you made baptize you. Of course we're more than toys. We were created in the image of God. But this is what God, Jesus, the Son of God, did for you, for me. If not for us, he would not have gone through this. You understand what I'm saying? He said, John, I understand. Permit it to be so now. But this isn't what I need to do. Righteousness is obeying the Father. And let all righteousness be fulfilled right now. I need to do this. is what I need to do. My Father and I, this is the plan from the very beginning. We need to do this. I need to identify with man. I need to be in covenant with man. So I can make a covenant that man can enter into. I am identifying with the Son of Man. So that one day, the sons of man who identify with me can become sons of God. He didn't say to us, when you pray, Oh Jesus Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Is that what he taught us? Is that what he taught us? Oh Jesus Father. He taught us, our Father. He didn't say, guys, he's my Father, so when you refer to him, oh Jesus Father. Can we call him our father? No, 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 no. You can't call him father. He's my father. No, he didn't say that. He said, When you pray, our father. Because he went into this covenant, he opened this to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, wow, man. Look, that's the reason why I'm really excited about these things. And it's just such a short verse. So, okay, Uh, and, and, you know, in in, in a covenant, you, 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 you you speak vows. And like I said, vows are important to God. Let me just read some scriptures here about what God says concerning vows. In the book of Numbers, chapter 30, verse 2, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. In Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verse 21 and 23, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be a sin to you. That which has gone from your lips, you shall keep and you shall perform. For you voluntarily vow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 to 5, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not to pay. That's what he said. Okay? He listens to what we're saying, and he doesn't forget. And if we break our vows, he gives us another chance to repair them. That's grace, man. Hello? Gosh. You look bored like this. Some are shocked, some are bored. Oh praise, I've heard that before. Oh forgiveness of sin. Yeah, sure. You find heaven no, heaven is not boring at all. Some some you you'll be very surprised at what you'll find in heaven. Okay? I wish I could go into that, but I don't have time. Anyway. Uh, let's go to the second point just like Christ we have been called sons by our father let us now seek to please our Father. Let me just read verse 16 and 17. It says here when he has been when he had been baptized Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him. I want you to know that whenever you're baptized the heavens are also open to you. That means God's favor, God's grace, God's mercy, God's goodness, God's compassion being given to you. Okay? Hello? Okay? That's that's what's happening whenever we get baptized. The the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. The Holy Spirit was coming upon the Lord Jesus Christ. What could the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, give to Jesus the second person of the Trinity as God they had all things equally but understand Jesus Christ never stopped becoming God but as the son of man he chose to live like we did with our limitations with our restrictions with our weaknesses okay for us to go beyond our impossibilities For us to go beyond our restrictions, for us to go beyond our weaknesses, we need God's grace. We need God's help. We need need God's mercy. And Jesus Christ received those because he chose to live like us. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon him. Otherwise, he would would not have needed the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay? And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. See, one of the reasons why Jesus Christ pleased the Father so much, not so much that he obeyed the Father, but the reason was he loved the Father, and this was the reason that motivated him to do the works of the Father. When we enter into a covenant, yes, we make. A vow to do the in other words, we are under obligation. We must have a sense of obligation and a sense of duty. Amen. But we just don't do things because I have no choice. Here. I made a promise, so even if I don't want to do this, I have to do this. Okay. He says that he wants uh, us to obey him not grudgingly. Right? Yes, we have a duty. Yes, we have a sense of obligation. We've got to do this. But it's not that that's motivating us to do that. It is because we chose to love God. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we hear. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The Lord appreciates those who do things because they want to fulfill what they promised. But the Lord loves those who do things because they love Him. You understand what I'm saying? If we want to hear the Father to say, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Let's do it out of love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we love Him. We give ourselves no choice. We have to do this because I vowed this, I vowed this out of love, and I've done this. Okay? So, when we go into baptism, the Lord, you know, a priest takes someone, whether he immerses water, uh, puts water on the forehead or immerses the child in the water. What happens is in heaven, is that God takes you and immerses you in in, in in his grace okay and you know he gives you the new life everything he did for you you are immersed in the death the burial the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ which means all the benefits of that is given to you he did all the work you get all the benefits okay you get forgiveness, and and there are basically three things that, you know, after baptism, what do you become? One, you become God's child. Why? Because you become God. The Father adopts you as His own. Okay, I mean, you're His child. You're His son. Okay, number two. Uh, you become a member of the body of Christ Uh, uh, which is called the church. all the rights and the privileges. And number three, you become an inheritor of the kingdom of God. You you inherit the blessings of God while you're living on the earth. You inherit the blessings of God when you leave the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are things that happen to us. And uh, I know it's a struggle when we live because sometimes we're tempted by so many things, we get distracted. I was reading the, uh, a book. The name of the person is Anna Roundtree, and uh, basically, he's someone that God brought to heaven, and he witnessed. She witnessed many things there. And when it was time for her to leave, the Lord was saying to her, "You, you have to tell this message to the people that uh, no matter what's going on on the earth, you need to be faithful to me." And then she said there was a time that they, when she was walking with the Lord in, in one of the gardens in heaven. The Lord was very quiet. And she knew that she had to remain quiet also until the Lord says, I, I need to tell you this. And he was very serious. And I copied some of these things. And uh, let me just tell you what he said. He said, Anna, divisions are coming. For those who embrace the fear of the Lord and follow his precepts, his golden goodness will be poured out upon them. But for those who do not embrace the fear of the Lord, who scorn his precepts and his ways, that which they already have will be taken away from them. God is not mocked, and the ways of the flesh are not to be condoned. But the sunshine of his face will shine upon the righteous. He will set the captives free. He will nurture them with loving kindness. And they will eat the fat of the land. For he is a father who has mercy upon his children. He will not hide his eyes from their distress. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And his goodness stretches as far as his never-ending presence. For those who embrace his precepts he will open every door to his storehouses no good thing will he withhold they will swim they will float on the fat of the land they will stride from mountaintop to mountaintop measuring off their inheritance and celebrating his ever-present nearness he will take them aloft they will sit with his son and suck with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. He will bring together those who fear his name and they will fellowship in him. But those who are swindlers and liars also will find each other and their fellowship will be with their father. Small F, and that's a devil. Those who love themselves more than they fear the Lord will have their own nature as as their companion. Fretting and self-righteousness will be their reward. They will face closed doors to God's glory at every turn. Grace will slam its door in their faces. The wall between them and God's goodness will be too high to climb. And they will spend their days searching for God as a blind man gropes in a foreign land. But for those who hold to his ways and fear his name, a canopy of goodness... Will be their shelter. A canopy of glory will be their home. Not even a toad will poke its way from beneath the mercy and the loving kindness of the Lord. These were some of the last words that Jesus spoke to Anna before Anna came back to life. You understand what I'm saying? It pays to obey God, it pays to obey the commandments of God, it pays to be faithful. God. Amen? How many of you learned something today? Praise God.